The goal of this podcast is to help you break in and thrive in advertising. On this episode, I'm lucky enough to have Jim Basilovac. Jim is a major influence in not only my career, but countless aspiring advertisers and marketers around the country. He has spent time teaching at the Chicago Ad School, Miami Ad School, copywriting at Leo Burnett, directing creative at DDB San Francisco, and leading creative teams at Verizon Media. Now, he is the VP of Brand at Yahoo. He is also an adjunct professor at the University of Texas, Austin, teaching in their portfolio program. We discuss everything from the importance of finding your own voice as a creative to tools like AI and the future of our industry. Jim continues to lead many of the next great advertisers and marketers into the future, so be sure to tune in and soak in some of his wisdom. This is the Breaking and Entering Podcast, and I'm your newest accomplice, Cooper Kolvig. Kick it, Mikey. All right, awesome. Jim, it's a, a pleasure to have you on the show. I like to start uh, my segment off by, you know, asking and, and getting uh, some insight into the the moment that you fell in love with with marketing and advertising, and you know how you kind of got to where you are today from from that moment. Uh, thanks, Cooper. It's it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on. I think I would have to go back to when I fell in love with writing to begin with. When I was in, all the way back, when I was a youngster, I was in fourth grade and I had a teacher who encouraged us to write some stories for this contest. And I got to go to the Young Authors Contest uh, and meet some meet some you know published authors. And then that was kind of when I decided like, oh, I like this writing thing and uh, wrote a bunch of short stories and would share them with friends on the bus and, you know, in, in school, like really liked the poetry and the writing classes. When I got to uh, time to decide what did I want to do with my life, I was like, well, I want to I want to be a writer. People were like, great. What kind of writer do you want to be? And I was like, I'm going to be a novelist. And they were like, great. What are you going to do for a career? And I was like, I, gee, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I kind of like physics and I'm OK at math. So maybe engineering. Uh, and so I ended up going into uh, going to college to major in mechanical engineering, I hated it. Uh, math and physics wasn't as fun at that at that level. Was still taking a bunch of film classes and creative writing classes, and just met somebody, a friend of mine, who just happened to be somebody I met in the dorms, and we were both sitting there doing homework one night, and I was trying to figure out, uh, you know, multivariable calculus equations, and he was. So drawing pictures and uh, writing funny headlines. And I was like, what is that? Because that looks much more interesting and a closer, more closely aligned to what I want to do with my life than, than this. And, uh, and so I switched over. He was in the advertising program. I switched over and uh, that was kind of it. Like I, I've always liked to make things. I've always liked to do creative things whether it was just building weird stuff in the basement or drawing. I, I mean, I can draw okay. I'm not great at it, but I always liked that kind of stuff. And I, you know, 
just found my way into it. I think like a lot of people do. They know, very few people come in through the front door. There's a lot of side doors to this industry. And, you know, mine just happened to be when I was in undergrad. Do you get to uh, write it all now? Uh, or do you continue to even while you are, you know, still a student or even making your way through the industry at the beginning? I write a ton. Yeah. I mean, I write like it's, it's just kind of a part of what I how I process things and what I enjoy to do. So I have, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to be a, a hobby, uh, short story writer or write writing that kind of stuff as, as a hobby on the side. And then I, I write a lot, you know, I probably less so in terms of the actual work at work. Like I'm not writing as much headlines, as many headlines as I did when I started off as a copywriter. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm seeing headlines and I'm giving feedback on them. And, you know, I, li I like to be involved. If, if there's any part of the the making that is closely, like is my craft part of it, it's the writing and the, and the, and the word craft. Like I'm not a designer by trade. I've got a, a team that has a lot of designers on it and stuff like that. So I can give feedback, but I can't do that work. But the writing I can actually do if I need to. In yeah, case so, of an emergency. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, outside of the uh, actual, you know, running the the brand work at, at Yahoo, how often do you get to write, you know, just for yourself or on the sides? And how important was that for you or, or having that balance? It's it's one of my outlets. You know, I do, you know, maybe two, I'd say two or three nights a week. I might sit down and just at night before bed, right? I've got a daughter who's 11 and she's starting to get into, she really likes to draw. She's into animation. She likes to write. And so it's one of my uh, treasured times. It's just sitting in the office together, dropping a record on and, and spending a little bit of time, just both of us kind of writing, you know, separately, but, but in the same room, it's really nice. So, you know, and then I do just as one of my aside hobbies, I, like I read a lot and I, I write book reports or uh, book reviews of everything I've, I've read. And I've been doing that for the last since 2000. So I've got 22 years of, of book reviews that I, you know, put on my blog and you know, it's, it's not a big thing, but it just, it keeps me, you know, it keeps me moving words around and I enjoy it. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, having that balance, I think, for, for anyone is is super important. And I'm curious, you know, when you first kind of realized you could take writing and, and turn it into a profession, was that kind of a hump for you to get over to get your, you know, wrap your mind around not being able to write about exactly what you wanted to? Or did that kind of get baked into your process as being a, a, a student copywriter? It was, I think I brought myself not in, early on, not intentionally, but just kind of by default, because that was all I knew, knew how to do was write my own kind of point of view. Like I, I have a, you know, a, kind of a weird sense of humor. I like quirky stuff. You know, I, I grew up loving the far side. Like if you had to say like, who, you know, what were, what were your biggest influences? I think far side comics were, were very influential on me and i just loved that style and so i kind of brought that weirdness to what i wrote you know and then also whatever it was like in literature or fiction stuff that was just kind of influential and, and so i just kind of only knew really that's that's how i wrote and so i wrote that stuff and the people were like oh these make make good ads too you know they're funny and they're weird and they don't feel as much like ads they feel more like 
jokes or cartoons. And then when I got, so my first job was at Leo Burnett. And I, at one point I had one of the creative directors there looked at something I'd written and he's like, well, you're writing, I've seen you write before. I've seen what you've written. Like when you're just goofing around writing stuff, this is not that, this is you trying to write ads. Where's the writing? that is you writing your stuff. And it, it, something just kind of clicked and it was like, oh, okay, right. I'm here to write, not just mimic ads, but to write things that actually like are interesting and weird and quirky and all the stuff that I actually like, because that's what, you know, other people like too. They want to, they want to, you know, it's the great old Howard Gossage quote that people don't read ads, they read what interests them. And sometimes that's an ad. And I think if we approach it like, well, we're going to do an ad, then a lot of times it just ends up feeling like ads versus just, ah, oh, it's just an interesting bit of writing or something that's, you know, poetic or whatever, you know? Yeah. So now that you're at the the point in your career where you're, you know, directing a lot of that out of, you know, either students at the University of Texas or within uh, the Yahoo internal agency, um, how do you, you know, every day try and get, you know, that same, you know, look and feel out of your your students and and colleagues when, you know, it seems like there's a never-ending flood of of content and things that feel like ads all the time. Yeah. I mean, I think it's I'm not necessarily trying to get anything. I, I'm not trying to push my style or voice or anything on people. Like part of what I do, whether it's at, at in the classroom or with the team at work is like you i want people to be proud of the work they do in fact we have like six six values of the team and number one is do work you're proud of uh, not do work that i'm proud of like ideally i'm proud of it too but i hired you and so i in that hiring i believe in you i i trust in you and i trust your sensibilities i trust so if you're doing work that you are proud of in your voice and that you think is funny or whatever compelling or whatever moves you emotionally whatever then great. That's what we want, right? That Then we've got a nice team. Everybody is excited and they feel some sense of ownership in what they're making. And it's their voice they're contributing to it. And as I tell, tell the students the same thing, right? Like I, you're not doing a portfolio for me. Like I've already got a job. Like I don't need to put together a portfolio. I've got to get a job. Your portfolio represents you. So you need to figure out what your voice is, the same process I went through before. It's going to be different than my voice. I'll give you feedback on it. I'll tell you what I think is funny, but in the end you have to decide and you have to figure out like, this is my voice. This is the portfolio that I want representing me to get the job that I want to get because somebody's going to hire me and say, do more of that stuff that you showed you in your portfolio. Let's see more of that and do it for us. Yeah, that's, that's really great. And obviously people developing their own voices are how we're going to progress the industry moving forward. It, you know, for you, you had a very natural and clear path into, you know, the writing segment of, of marketing and advertising. I feel like a lot of the people that I talk to and know are, you know, attracted to the industry for a lot of the same reasons that you mentioned. They love to create things. It's a little bit more outside of the box. The list goes on. What are, what's some advice for those people who don't have that natural calling towards maybe design or writing, looking to uh, get their foot in the door? I, I mean, I think there's a lot of different avenues in, and there, you know, one of the great things about advertising is there's, there are so many kind of diverse roles that people can play in the process. And so 
you know, so you might not be a a craftsperson. Uh, you're not. You know, you're not a designer. You're not a writer. But you're somebody who just loves being around, uh, you know, creative, and you love film. You know, maybe you want to be a producer, or you're, you know, you're a psychologist at heart, right? And you just love to figure out what makes people tick. And you also have some creative side to you, or you you like to be around it, right? You, you could be a planner, and so I think that, um, you know, if you if you really are attracted to the industry and you're like, I want to be in this industry. I want to be in this environment. And there's a lot of great things about it. Like it takes really diverse thinking. And I don't mean, you know, I, I do mean, but also, you know, your traditional d- definition of like culturally diverse, you know, racially diverse, gender diversity, age diversity, all that kind of stuff. But also just people who have just really different takes on things and different different backgrounds and ways of thinking and expressing, right? Because part, part of the process is at the beginning, we've got this thing that we're starting with and we're going to spread out and we're going to explore as many different directions and avenues and ideas and all that. And when you have a bunch of, you know, I've got a psychologist in the room and I've got a somebody who's out of the art world and they're really, you know, they're a painter that has somehow made it into our, into our universe, into our team, right? This really interesting mix of people, you're going to get that, that spread of ideas. And so the industry should be any team, any creative team should be very welcoming to somebody who is passionate about it, wants to get in and has an interesting take on it. And so I, you know, it's not always that easy to get in. It's like people, oh, you're you're weird. We've never met anybody like you. Come on in. <laughs> uh, but you have something to offer, right? If you have a, a strong point of view, I, I think that passion and caring is really uh, important. You know, insatiable curiosity. If you do want to be, you know, if you want to be a writer or you want to be an art director or designer, you do have to kind of work on the craft too. Like you know, that, that it's so you can't get in. I I know a lot of students or i've talked to them uh over the years where you're like well do you want to be an art director or a writer what do you want to be and they're like well i can't draw so i'll be a writer it's like no 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 no. that's not why you should be a writer you should be a writer because you love to write if you if you want to be an art director and you can't draw learn to draw like there are ways to to learn this stuff but i think there's there are so many ways to kind of play a role in the in the process that you shouldn't be discouraged just because you're like, I don't see me on paper, uh, you know, looking for somebody exactly like you because a lot of places don't know what they're looking for until they get somebody in the door. You know, that's a really interesting thought. I feel like a lot of times you read the job descriptions and it's very cookie cutter for a lot of the different roles, but then all of a sudden you read a strategist role at one agency versus another and they're, they're completely different. You know, what are some ways that for students or, or any aspiring advertiser can get a better grasp of the different types of agencies, whether they're in-house, it's creative, it's performance, kind of while they're feeling super, uh, what's the word, distracted or you know, daunted by the idea of all these different uh, segments what's what's some advice for you know kind of picking apart where their their best you know niche within that world is yeah i i think what i mean you can always reach out to people uh, on the you know these at the different places and, and hey can i just pick your brand can i talk to you can i you know there's starting to be more like this this type of podcast uh, or books you know there are books out there 
uh, Junior Thomas Kemeny's book is great. Luke Sullivan's book is great. You know, and some of those are a little bit more geared toward traditional advertising and traditional advertising roles. I think the truth is any agency or internal team is going to have a slightly different different flavor to it. But at least those kind of ground you, right? Like these are the these are the types of roles. This is how the machine works. Yes, the the gears are going to be slightly different at different places, or the culture is going to be a little bit different. But that that's at least a good a good place to start. And then the other thing I would just say is like go find the work that you love, right? Like I was just talking to somebody earlier, and they were they were trying to narrow down the type of agency that that they want to work at. And, and they knew they wanted to work at an ad- advertising agency. I'm like, well, you got to, you got to narrow it down from just any, any agency anywhere, right? Like just give yourself a, a little bit more of a brief, you know, even if the brief is, well, I want to, my girlfriend lives in New York. And so I want to live in New York or something like that. Okay. Now you've at least narrowed, narrowed the field down. But I think another great way to do it is like, go find the work that you love to do. Like, what is your favorite advertising work? And, you know, I, I give my students, uh, an assignment that is to build a dream portfolio. And and I can't remember who I stole this from, but I, I stole this from some other advertising teacher. But all a dream portfolio is you go out in the world, you find all the work that you love and you put it together on a Pinterest board. And you're like, this is the work I, if I could make any portfolio piece out of, you know, put them all together, this is what I would have put together, would love to aspire to whatever. Go back to that. Who made that stuff? Where are they? There's a list for you to kind of start, you know, because I think the inner workings, you know, is it a performance agency? Is it a, is it a more production shop? Do they do more TV, whatever, like all that stuff can get very complicated and it can also change depending on the clients, depending on the leadership, depending on what the economy is doing at, at the time. Right. But if you can find pieces of work and you're like, okay, that creative director did three of my favorite pieces. How do I get somewhere in that their orbit or work for them? Then then you're, I think, much more likely to land at a place that you're like, this is, this is, I'm doing the kind of work that I want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like a lot of times people lack the direction for, you know, even building out the portfolio work after having built that first piece of it. And, you know, we're seeing more and more on the rise, big uh, influencers within the industry who have their own classes and workshops. You have places like Miami Ad School where you once were VCU Brand Center, and then you have universities where they're starting to build out their ad and communications programs to function like an agency. How has that been uh, influential for your students and how has it been for you being able to kind of build that out? at least on the portfolio side of things at uh, the University of Texas. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's kind of experimenting with the right, basically what is going to be the most appealing to, high, you know, em- employers, to agencies, and, and also, you know, related obviously is is what's going to prepare the students the best. And there's kind of two parts of it. One is the the learning the craft just just literally learning like how does an idea work how do you write a headline how do you design an ad how do you you know the, the visual hierarchy typography all all those craft things and those alone can be like four years of learning and and more it's actually like a lifetime of of learning you can still continue to get better at that stuff and so i think then balancing that with okay now how do we put some real world 
type experience here. And this is when you get some of the, you know, Texas UT has a, a, a lab and uh, campaigns classes and uh, VCU is uh, the brand center, you know, they were kind of set up with the idea of like, let's, let's try to be like an agency where you've got the, the teachers are the creative directors and the people are all in the hallway and, and they're you know, showing ideas to each other. And like you would at a, you know, at an agency. And I think that's, that's great in terms of just, it's a little bit more fluid. It's very messy. It can be very messy. You've got different disciplines all coming together and, and working together. And I think that's really the part that all of a sudden feels very different than I'm sitting in a class with a bunch of other copywriters or copywriters and art directors, and we're cranking out ads. Okay. Now I have a strategist who's going to come in and they're going to infuse some cultural knowledge and consumer research and they're going to question some of the things that we're like oh this is really funny this is isn't this clever and they're like no that that actually is the wrong appeal it has totally off strategy right and that's that's what an agency is is like you've got people around you who are you know pushing to to make sure the work is on strategy to make sure you know maybe you've got some of these these kind of academic agency setups well you've got a client you know ut does this they we bring in real clients for some of these classes and and now you have to pitch to the client and you've got an account person who's managing that relationship who's going to come back and say you know you're missing part of the brief here and the client's expecting this or hey did you consider this you know the client told me this the other day maybe that sparks an idea like that sort of uh you know you're not in a bubble anymore and I think that's really, really valuable because you don't want to, you know, necessarily be walking into an agency for your first job and it's the first time you've ever had any experience with a, a you know, a strategist or an actual client. If you can, if you can get that experience early, it's it's really valuable. You know, the coming up with the work, which is what all the craft stuff focuses on, is a fraction of of the job. You know, and so if that's all you know, that's good. It's fine. You need to know that, but there's there's so much more. So when you've kind of progressed from you know the outside the walls of of whether it be school, you know your own portfolio building on the side and in your network, or or even working at a, a portfolio school, and you are making your way towards the industry or even into into the industry. You know, what are ways for people to, you know, you mentioned lifetime, lifelong learning, continue uh, to, you know, continue to sharpen those skills, whether it's in the actual, like, tactical pieces, like you just kind of mapped out, or just even as a, a thinker, what are some ways that you kind of bring the, the educational side of things back towards, you know, agency life and continued, you know, pursuit of, of, uh, of excellence or, you know, just being better? as yourself yeah i mean i think that i i used to say when i worked at this one agency i would would be like i think we need to be more like a school you know and and people like what do you mean we're not a we're not a school we're an agency but what i meant by that was you have the opportunity every day you walk in and you're like what am i going to make today and then you make something and that's, there's a, you know, if, if you're a creative person, like that's what you want to do in life, you want to make something. And then once you make something, you have the opportunity to step back and okay, okay, what did I learn from that thing? Right. And, and the, what happens at a school is just that, like, here's an assignment, make something, 
We're going to tell you what we think of it. We're going to evaluate it. You're going to learn from it. And then you're going to do it again. You're going to make something else. Right. And, and, and in a school, the whole thing is like, it's, it's very safe environment, right? There's no, you don't have clients. This is not your job. You're learning how to do this stuff. So you should be taking, uh, you know, taking risks, experimenting, trying a bunch of things that fail because each time they, you know, you fail, we've all heard like the more you fail, the more you learn all that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of that kind of gets squeezed out when you get into the quote unquote real world of an agency. Cause they're like, well, okay, well, yeah, yeah, fail, fail, you know, fail's good. Like, let's ex- celebrate the big swings and yada, yada. But actually, let's just deliver on this brief because the client needs it by, you know, five o'clock today, uh, whatever. And, and I think bringing back that idea of, look, we're all here to get to, to learn, to experiment, to make things and learn from it and share that learning with each other. One of the things I, I, do at Yahoo with our department is is our department meetings and just kind of our whole, our whole ethos is built around having good relationships with our stakeholders, you know, making good work for them and then telling those stories. And, And so we just had a department meeting today. It's about 60 people or so where we had two, uh, two presentations from teams. These, this was what we made. And importantly, this is what we learned from it. And I think you you need to have that because more than anything, I think, you know, people are like, oh, you know, I want to make a lot of money or I want to like have lots of power. I'm like, no, not really. Like money and all that kind of stuff is fine. But what people really want to do is they want to feel like they're growing. They want to feel like they're moving forward in their careers and they're they're taking on new challenges. And, you know, those challenge those challenges and the way they're growing that could be like I'm putting new stuff in my portfolio. Or maybe I'm sitting next to somebody who just knows a lot of stuff and I'm constantly being taught just being around them or I'm producing things. And I've never I've never done a food shoot before. I've never shot a car. Or I've never done a, a TikTok video, right? Like there's all kinds of different ways to, to learn things. And if somebody feels like they're in a place where they're constantly growing, similar to the way you feel at a school, then you've got a really good, vibrant culture. And that, that retains people as much as, you know, uh, here's a, here's a promotion or here's, you know, here's more money. Like, again, that stuff is fine and you should be paid fairly and get your title where it should be. But like, it's really about building your, you know, building your career and growing. And so to me, that aligns very much with like just how a school runs where you walk in and you walk out smarter than you were in the morning. That's really interesting. Yeah. At, at my agency, you know, we, we call our team uh, the lab because we're consistently, you know, experimenting, trying new things and pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zone just to where, you know, we're still able to do like make great things, but not actually uh, fall flat on our faces. And you know, I think a lot of the, the greatest shops around the country and the world are, are doing all of uh, the same thing and able to kind of, you know, keep everyone within that sweet spot progressing and making great work while creating, you know, a place where people also feel safe at the, at the same time is, is really cool. Well, and that, 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 sorry, step on you, but that like just the, the, you know, there was this whole thing about for a while with agencies and, you know, I think still somewhat of what is it called? You know, I felt like every agency website for a, a while was like, we're not an ad agency. It's like, well, okay debatable but sure what are you and then you know just calling something a lab or calling something a studio or calling you know something else 
kind of sets a different expectation. I think that's really good. Like labs are are meant to go and experiment, right? Like that's what that's what you do in a lab, right? A studio is you go and you make stuff and you're, you know, just generating content. Like that's what a studio does. And so I think, you know, while some of it is somewhat, I think, performative and people trying to carve out their own white space for their agencies, it does set expectations of, of what happens there. And and then you then it just depends on, you know, do do you have the relationship with your clients or your stakeholders who will respect that and understand that that's an important part of the process. Like if you want really good work, you got to have space to play and you got to have space to make mistakes. And there's going to, you know, somebody comes in, you got to be like, this is, this is messy in here. You can't freak out. If you're going to come into our studio or our lab or whatever, you're going to see a lot of mess and you got to be okay with that. That's really interesting, especially when you bring up the client side of it, where, I mean, I knew while I was finishing up, school at at cu no one could you know make a two or three sentence statement about marketing or advertising without saying data driven i feel like we're (laughs) we're we're moving past that point a little bit too and there are some other really cool and, and fun topics to touch on there but knowing that there is a level of accountability that's unprecedented within the industry right now and is a great way to you know, prove effectiveness and actually show uh, that experiment. I know a lot of clients haven't bought into that mindset that you kind of described. So for for people coming into the industry or people already in it who are kind of navigating those waters, you know, how have you done it successfully and how has that gone? I mean, a lot of it is, uh, it's just old fashioned relationship building and building trust and kind of proving it out over time. And, and really, I mean, because it's, it's not like, it's not a, okay, well, the client really is putting the screws to us and that's, that's the problem. Like the problem is they don't understand that the, what the benefit could be, or we don't understand how to solve their problems because we're not, you know, in their shoes. And so I think building that relationship and really spending the time to understand, you know, whether it's on a business uh, level, it should be at a business level. Like, what are you trying to do with the business? What are your biggest challenges? You know, what are you trying to do with the the brand? Where What's the vision for the marketing? But also then on a personal level, like what kind of work does this person, you know, be a client or stakeholder or whoever it is, like, do they, do they like? And can I, as a somebody coming out of the ad world or the creative world, help have a conversation, you know, educate them feels condescending, but, you know, expose them to the kind of work that I like and see how that, how that sits with them. Right. Like, is this the kind of work that they want to do? And and then you can start to get into the conversations around, okay. So if we're doing, all, I'm just going to say, we're doing all this like really performance based work. It's like, oh, we're, we've got a factory over here and we're just cranking out, you know, thousands of these like really straightforward ads and we're looking for an opportunity to take a bigger swing, to do something that is a, a bigger impact, is going to get more notice, a little more creative, whatever. Let's say that shorthanded. But let me have that conversation with them and say, what's the, how do we get to this? What is the, you know, what the benefit of this could be? And, and just see where they are. Because you might have a client who's just like has zero appetite for that. But you ha- it has to start with the relationship. You know, when I was a junior, I, I really... Uh, I'm also introverted. And so I just, I, I was like, I wanted to go in, I wanted to pr- present my work. I wanted them to see the brilliance of the idea, buy it, and then I could go produce it. And I w- wasn't really that invested in 
the relationship. And it wasn't until I got on this assignment, I was writing radio for the beef council and I would fly out uh, to LA and meet with the client. And then Sam Elliott was our talent, which was a whole another amazing experience. But and but I would spend a lot of time with just the you know just the client and and the and we just chat and you know have lunch and stuff and they were great and but getting to know them on a personal level so that you, then you could have those conversations where if they're trying to push back against a creative idea you can kind of say hey come on let's do it like this could be cool like and have a conversation at a little bit more of a human level versus what happens a lot which is you walk in, I'm going to sell you, I'm going to pitch this to you across the table, and then you're going to give me feedback, and then I'm going to go off and address your feedback, you know? The relationships are really important, and I think, especially early on in a career, they can kind of be neglected. Interesting. So, you know, you spent a lot of time educating. You spent time on the agency side, and are now, again, on the client side. And one of the questions I was always asked when I was trying to you know, navigate really early on out of school was, well, do you want to be client side, or do you want to be at the agency? And my response was, like, I would scramble for a while, like, ah, uh, shit, I don't know. What's the difference, and what do you have to bring to the table differently at, at each of those? And you've kind of had your foot or toes fairly deep in each of those pools. How did that kind of, or those experiences help shape, you know, what you've built and, and brought to the client side at, at Yahoo uh, in general and how, you know, what advice would you have for, for folks making that switch or being asked that same question I was at the uh, beginning of my career? Yeah. So I'll come back around to what I, my advice I would give and like where you'd want to start. I think the biggest thing, and it depends on the client too, or you know, which what what business you're in. The biggest thing to me was when I was at the agency, and I was at DDB in San Francisco before uh, I had a six months of freelance or whatever, and then ended up at, at Yahoo. Everybody was you know around advertising, like we were all advertisers, like and everybody kind of knew creative. We were at least, and, and the people we dealt with at the client, they were marketers. So everybody kind of spoke the same language. You know, we had a common, you know, common way of talking, a common way of doing things, common way of thinking about brands and branding and all that kind of stuff. When I went to Yahoo, I mean, Yahoo's a, it's a massive company and, you know, it, it was mostly not marketers. Like we had, we had a, a decent sized marketing team, but most of the people that I would see in the cafeteria or talk to or whatever were you know, they were engineers or, you know, we have pretty robust editorial teams that were like, you know, writing articles for Yahoo Sports or Yahoo News or whatever. And it, in those conversations, you kind of realize, oh, they're not speaking the same language. They're not marketers. They don't necessarily think of brands at all. You know, they they don't understand or think of advertising other than mostly their consumer experience if they see ads on TV or they see ads on the internet. But they're not really thinking about how they're made, right? Because that's not their world. Their world is like they're building product or they're they're on they're on, in a, on a studio set, like talking to a camera, like doing other things. And I don't understand what they do. Like I could like, you know, th they would look at us sometimes and be like, wow, you guys are like this is magic almost. Right. And I'd be like, well, what you do is magic to me. And so to me, that was, it was really 
a huge opportunity to, to really learn a lot and have an appreciation for what other people do and how this all sort, sort of fits together. And, and also, I think, partly because of my role, but also partly because being in the business on the, on the client side, you can be much further upstream and you know closer to how the marketing strategy is developed. When I was at the agency, it was like marketing strategy was baked usually the advertising and creative strategy was baked and the planner would come present it to us and then we'd go off and make ads now i can talk to you know the people who are developing the products and i can ask them questions and i can we can kick around ideas around how we might position this for the consumer and sometimes i might have a product idea or somebody on my team has a product idea and we just send it over and we're like hey we just thought of this thing and every once in a while they'll implement it you know and so just being that close to the, you know, the business and, and being around it, I think you can have a bigger impact, but it also at times feels like this is not creative. Like this is like, this is business because it is, it's business or it's product or engineering and, and stuff like that. So I, I, I find it fascinating. I love the switch. I love the diversity of people that I interact with every day. But I also sometimes have to step back and go, okay, I need to explain this without a bunch of marketing jargon or thinking that they understand how any of this works. I need to kind of, you know, again, not, not sound condescending, but I kind of need to educate them on how, how does marketing work? How does brand work? Or, you know, what, what happens when we, when we leave the room and go away to do our thing? Like what, what's actually happening? Yeah, that's very cool. Does it ever get a little like muddled? when you have the ability or, or access to get into the pool of, of product and influence, you know, the other direction, what's going on on the business side and, and the product side, or how do you kind of balance those, those two worlds on the client side? I don't know that it gets muddled. I mean, cause I, you know, I don't know how much influence I have. Like I can throw out ideas. I, I you know, there's certainly things that I've, input on that have kind of impacted the business a certain way. But I think being around it and going back to that relationship and understanding, right? Like I want to, I want to have as much of an understanding of what's happening on the business as, as possible, because then when I'm looking at creative, it's all going to inform that. And I think that benefit is any kind of like it, it getting, you know, muddled or weighed down or, or like me having the thing in my head, well, this isn't right. So it's, it's like putting a damper on the creativity or anything like that. And I think just, just in general, like all of us, if we're, we're working on creative in any form have to be able to switch modes and have to be like, forget everything, you know, about what's right for this. Let's just think and talk about what's possible. Yeah. You know, what, what could this be? And, and at that point, you know, I think everybody's got to shut off like, well, so-and-so is not going to like it or the client one, you know, doesn't like that kind of thing, or people want the color blue in this or whatever it is. Like, just like, let's just, let's just think about what this potentially could be. And then later we can, we'll have all that knowledge because we've been in those conversations around the business. And so when we start to narrow down the ideas we've come up with and decide what's right, uh, we have some really you know, hopefully thoughtful uh, and criteria that we can apply to, to those decisions. I, I do want to get back because I didn't answer your, your question about like client side or agency side, if you're starting off. I would say, and this might be a little controversial, but I, I would say if you're a creative, you probably 
want to go agency side first only because of the the variety like you you when i was at the agency like you you're just cranking through work like you're getting you're getting projects you're producing work you know even like tv assignments a lot of times it was like three months start to finish and you're done you know on the on the client side things tend to be a, like a little bit longer time horizon because you're you're engaging with them earlier and so it feels like this arc takes a little bit more and maybe a little bit less variety depending on on the whatever the businesses or the brand is that you work on i will say you should decide you should make your decision where you want to go based on you know again the kind of work that you want to do the kind of opportunity you're going to have to grow uh, and the kind of people you're going to be around and and that could really be anywhere there are plenty especially now there are plenty of um you know client side teams or you know in-house teams that are doing some really some of the best work around uh, is coming out of some of those teams so if you can get in one of those like definitely and you know don't don't i i don't know that i would necessarily make up my mind if some i, I think i would be open to either and whatever opportunity feels like the the work you want to do or closest to the work you want to do i would go for that regardless of client or, or agency side and then it sounds like for those who you know maybe aren't entirely sure or have a broad spectrum in their own mind of you know what that work could kind of look like the agency side provides that breadth of of you know experience or potential experience where you can kind of get your hands on all sorts of kind of work to kind of you know either help build your portfolio or you know craft your own figure out your own adventure as you go through it yeah totally and, and i think just getting exposed to some of that stuff like the more opportunities and the more you know the more varied opportunities like when i i started off at leo burnett and you know we had so in the entire agency there were i don't know how many groups like maybe five or six groups so kind of mini agencies and my mini agency we had an airline we had the u.s postal service uh we had a a, a restaurant we had mcdonald's i did work on beef uh i did work on kellogg's cereal I don't know, number number of other things. And just so in that, like, I don't know how many different, you know, industries that is, but like, there's a lot, you know, and I think you wouldn't get that right right now, like at Yahoo, like we have Yahoo Sports, Yahoo Finance, Yahoo itself, Yahoo News, Yahoo Mail. And so there's like interesting properties for sure. And we have a couple other brands, TechCrunch and, and AOL, you know, but they're all, they're all kind of, they're all media brands. They're all in the tech space and stuff. So we don't have any airlines that we, <laughs> that I work on. So I, anyway, I think you're going to, to your point, you're going to get more variety at the agency. Yeah. sounds like really just depends on the client side too, to your point. Yahoo has a pretty wide breadth, but um, you know, some don't have quite as, as large of a scope. So if you're, you know, an aspiring advertiser marketer, you understand that you need a portfolio, you're, you're learning and, and bringing in projects to yourself somehow, whether it's through class or, or on your own, you kind of have that that mood board of work that really inspires you and those ideas in your head and as you're kind of thinking towards that next step whether it's on the agency side or the client side and you're following these agencies and and brands and businesses on on linkedin and twitter or wherever else and every day you get on there and scroll and scroll and you see post after post talking about 
AI and how it's playing a role in work today. You know, what does that mean for for up and coming and inspiring advertisers? And and how do you see you know tools like like AI within the industry? Okay, so I'm gonna go to this is like one of the first regardless of whether I'm teaching a script writing class or a portfolio class, the, the place that I start is understanding the process and understanding, I alluded to it earlier of, look, the first thing you're gonna do after you've got your brief and you sit down is you're gonna come up with as many ideas as you can, right? And so you're gonna, what could this possibly be? The divergence phase. Uh, and it looks like a, if a tree kind of turned on its side where it's just branching out and you're taking these ideas and these insights and you're building on them and you're you're using all your improv skills like hey what if we did this oh yes and we could do this and you're just you're basically filling the wall with ideas that's your first phase your second phase and it's going to like looking at all these ideas moving around circling the ones that you like maybe some combining and and starting to narrow down and then you're going to take those and you're going to craft them. That's your third part of that. And you're this is iterative, right? So you're going to do this time and time again. You might you might sit down, come up with ideas for a couple hours. You go away, have coffee, you come back, you look at them, you narrow them down, you, you write a couple scripts. Tomorrow you come back, you do the same thing with that same that same wall. So in that process, that first phase of just coming up with a bunch of ideas, you want this to be your like highly caffeinated energized non-critical brain right like somebody told me one time you should uh write drunk and edit sober and i don't know if that's great advice but the the spirit of that is right right like you need to have these two sides you need to turn off your editor or put away your eraser and just generate and then you can come back and decide what's right and so to me ai uh, I, I, and I've only played with it a little bit, but it is, it's an amazing tool for gen, I, for generation and for just, you, you, here's a thing. And if I said, hey, you know, what if we did something with birdhouses and we turn these birdhouses into like planters and I toss that to you, you could be like, oh yeah, cool. And you, you could have flowers and it would look like, if I tossed it to AI, it'd be like, here's, here's like 15 pictures of that. Oh, and this one is really interesting what it did with this structure, what if we built off that, right? So just as a generative technology, I think it's it's really, really interesting. Also, if I just wanna, I need to make a comp real quick, right? I just need to go into a client meeting and I need to show something that looks semi-professional and I need, I, don't, I can't Google and find a, you know, a, a chicken riding a, a, a purple uh, giraffe anywhere. <laughs> You know, I might be able to type that into AI. Okay, cool. Now I got it and, and we can go. So I think there's there's time saving, there's that generative thing. What juniors are often used for at agencies is that generative place, you know, the generative part of the, the process. And this is why I tell students, right, when you're putting your portfolio together, take big swings. I want to see risky stuff in your portfolio. I got plenty of people on the team who I'm like, Hey, can you crank out this script and, and somebody can write it and be like, cool, that's good. Let's, let's go. What I want from a junior is to bring something that like, Holy cow, I never would have thought of that. Like, so if I can see that in your portfolio that you can come up with ideas that are, that are out there and, you know, it makes sense strategically and stuff, but are also like really provocative ideas. That's great. I want to throw you into the mix that we've already got going on because you're going to cover a different ground 
on that on that wall that that generative thing so and now you're kind of competing you're the role that you're playing is kind of competing with ai and you know i don't think ai is there quite yet but like that's that's the part of the process where you you're real valuable as a, as a junior right the creative director's role is going to be more the one that starts to narrow things down and gives you direction on how to craft it and 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 make it happen so i think what that forces is as you're coming out of school or as you're coming into the industry you need to provide value beyond i can come up with wild ideas i can come up with i you know you need to you know you need to understand strategy you need to be able to articulate your idea and why it's the right idea you need to connect it back to the strategy or connect it back to the business challenge or connect it to a consumer insight you know i one of the things when i have my portfolio class is somebody will get up and they'll they'll walk through their work and then i always turn to the class and i'm like what do you think because part of what i want people to take away from that class is not just they learned how to come up with ideas but they could look at somebody else's ideas and articulate what's good about it, how it could get better, you know, how, how to improve it from an executional standpoint, or is there an insight that they're that's missing or not quite connecting or something like that? I don't know that AI is anywhere near. I mean, I, you know, I say this kind of stuff and then be proven wrong, but like I don't know that AI is anywhere near being able to do that part of the job. AI can totally come up with ideas right now and, and just random, lots of random ideas way faster than, than I can. So, you know, as a, as a, a tangential story, maybe one time when, uh, when I was at DDB, we had a bring your kid to work day and we brought these, the kids in, we thought it would just be a, a kind of a fun exercise. Hey, let's see what, see what your parents do at work. And so we brought them in and we did a brainstorm with them on ready whip the whipped cream and a can thing and the ideas they came up with were so good because they were just in a we were in that mode of just coming up with ideas and there were things that we never would have thought of at all and they like immediately came up with this idea of this unicorn that has one of those you know the dispenser top as its horn it sports <laughs> out ready whip and it's had a name rudy or something like that and because their whole world is just you know, unicorns are like number three on their list of every young kids, you know, what they're thinking about. But like throwing that into the mix just was took us somewhere we never would have gone naturally. I think AI could do that, you know, when you bring in juniors again to like, that's, that's the main role at first. Mm, that's really cool. So if I am that, that, uh, you know, entry level or junior level, uh, creative coming into this world, knowing that I'm battling against all of the different or other juniors and creatives out there. And now there's this, this thing out there, scary thing called AI that I'm seeing all across the web and in every industry everywhere. You know, it really sounds like to me what I'm hearing from you and, and even what I'm seeing out in the world that, you know, it's obviously a, a hugely important thing to to be aware of and, and keep your finger on on the pulse of, but to your point, you have to be, you know, strong across the entire business and a student of the entire business so that you know where that falls in, kind of making yourself not one dimensional as that source of ideas, but, you know, someone who can bring, you know, different pieces to the table across all the different segments, maybe not that, you know, depth across all of those, but at least to where, you know, you can be dangerous and, and, you know, see where it plays in. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that's when I look at portfolios, 
what I, I look for. I mean, I look for like, you know, big ideas, exciting ideas, things that are provocative that I've never seen before. I looked for, I look for craft, but I also look for the depth of thinking. Like has this person gone beyond an execution or a cam, you know, even if it's a campaign gone beyond the executions, is this really rooted in something that is makes sense for this business or makes sense at this cultural moment? You know, and that, that's the thing to me, that's really going to separate somebody from just all the other people who have like portfolios of, of executions, you know? Yeah. Bill, I mean, even to your point with, with AI, you can have it think laterally and put purple and giraffe together and dispenser and unicorn, like the kids are bringing up, but it's going to probably struggle to bring that context, the strategic thinking, the world that we live in, and even the industry that we're playing within to, you know, really bring, those kinds of ideas to life. So it could even be, you know, a tool for, for juniors and, and aspiring advertisers to, you know, potentially even up their game, trying to, you know, come up with new crazy ideas and, you know, build out their own portfolios or, or find success at, at their own agencies. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think it, it's a tool that's available to everybody, I, I, you know, I can't remember who it was the other day. I saw somebody's got a whole section of their agency. Now they're going to dedicate to it, you know, to AI and really, you know, utilizing the potential of AI. It's another tool. It's great. I mean, I think it's, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be scared of it. I would learn it and figure out how to, how to utilize it and put it to work for you. So to, you know, finish up here and we're, you know, we're talking about AI and a thing that's going to continue to progress over the years and who knows how it will take shape. But I, you know, I'd love to get your insight on on where you see our industry going in in the next five to ten years, and and how uh, students and, and aspiring advertisers can be thinking about that in ways to you know bring something more to the table, or you know maybe they're just important things to to keep in mind for someone to look into to for someone to look into while they're getting into the business. Yeah. When I think back on the different trends that have kind of come and gone and, you know, some of them have stuck a little bit more and, you know, like AI now is kind of, it, it's the thing. And a minute ago it was the metaverse and uh, NFTs and uh, you know, all, all that stuff. And if you go back, like whatever, uh, 10 years ago, everybody wanted to have some sort of like vending machine. Like every pitch anybody worked on, a new business pitch had a vending machine idea in it. Like just, it was just this weird kind of fad for a while. And then you go back, whatever, five years before that, it was like an app. Everybody had an app idea in their, in their pitches and student books, everybody had an app. And so I think those things kind of come and go. And, you know, should you, I've got, a, I had some students that, just did this uh, campaign and they, it was all metaverse based. And I thought it was really rooted in the history of this, this, uh, this brand that they're working on. And it made sense. Normally, if I saw something like that, I would be like, eh, it feels like you're kind of jumping on, jumping on the fat. It's not, it's not really deep. I think what has always been uh, meaningful and I think will continue to be regardless of, I, I don't know what the next technology will be, right? Like I, 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 I'm hoping we're not all wearing VR headsets and walking around. And so we're all, everything is going to be this immersive, you know, whatever we'll see. 
some sort of futurism. Some ready player one. Some ready player one type, yeah. Uh, future, uh, I might opt out. But what always what always comes back to is like, if I'm a consumer, do I feel like you are you understand me at this moment and what I what I either need or respond to or want to feel? And is your whether it's your appeal to me in your ad or it's your product that you've designed or a feature of your product? Are you is it something that I'm like, oh, you get me like I, I love that. Like, that's so great. Right. And I think we see like great advertising is uh, makes me feel something or it makes me think something in a in a new way. Maybe, you know, makes me like. We'd be like, oh, I saw this ad and it made, reminded me of my relationship with my daughter. And it was just, it was really connected with me on that level. Or the other ad I just think is so hilarious and it made me laugh. And if you can, that 30 seconds that you just took from my life while I waited for my show that I actually want to watch, you provided me with a laugh. Now I like, I like you more. I feel good about your brand. Or... You know, when I when I go to log into somebody's Wi-Fi on my my Apple phone and it asks uh, the person, would you want to let this person on on your Wi-Fi instead of me having to type in the password, you know, like all of those things. And that's obviously that's a product feature. That's not an ad, but that's I'm like, oh, you get me. You just solved the problem. I, I love you, Apple. Right. <laughs> and those little things, I think, are those are all very human. Some of them can be very small gestures. I think that's where we're going to always be. You know, I don't I, I think the more we try to shove things in people's face or bombard them with something or our, you know, our algorithm says the eighth time we show you this message, you're going to you're going to you're going to finally click on like, no, like that's not what people want. Right. Like I I think the. The idea that we have paid for this and so we are going to stick something in your face because we've paid for it is erroneous it's a lot of what advertising obviously is based on but i think you have a much better experience with the brand and you do a lot better work if i can be helpful and generous and actually like add to somebody's life or what they're trying to do at the moment yeah absolutely i think it's it's really easy with all of these new topics and and shiny acronyms uh as we get bombarded with them day to day to kind of get get lost uh, within all that and forget about, you know, the humans at, on the other end of the screen. And, you know, to know that that's the the thinking at a place like Yahoo is uh, a breath of fresh air and uh, something that I think everyone should keep in mind, whether you're in marketing or, or advertising as a whole. And, and kind of on that, I know, Jim, your uh, portfolio class at the University of Texas just finished up their their final pitches. If you'd like to talk about that at all or, you know, kind of talk about ways that, you know, folks within the industry could, uh, you know, help out these your students and uh, finding their own way within the industry, that'd be really great. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. So, yeah, we, we uh, so it's the Texas uh, Creative Portfolio Program. It's at, at UT and it's, you know, there are four portfolio classes in the sequence and I teach the Portfolio 2 class. So I, I teach the second one in the sequence. And. We, at the end of every semester, we have outside critiquers that come in and, and look at all the campaigns that the students have done. So there were 30 campaigns out of my class. We had two fantastic critiquers that came in and uh, 
critique the work and now the students are going to take some time off and then they're going <laughs> to regroup and uh, you know figure out what they're going to what they're going to keep in their portfolio what they're going to fix and then what they're going to you know leave behind and you know th these are students and i think we all at some point had somebody in our lives that, that whether it was in our careers or whatever that opened a door for us or put a door in front of us and you know whether we chose to open it or open but at least help us out right and these students are they're starting off their journeys and they're always looking for you know people to either pick their brain or can i ask you some questions about the industry or i love your agency can I ask you some questions about you and the work you've done? Can you look at my portfolio? Can you make a connection for me? All that kind of stuff. There's lots of, lots of ways to help out. I am always looking for, you know, people to come in and, and critique, or uh, we're looking for speakers to come in and talk to the students. One of the things that when I was just starting out, I was two years into my career and uh, somebody asked me if I wanted to teach at Chicago Portfolio School. And, and I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna teach them. I've only been doing this for two years. And they were like, no, 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 you know more, you know more than they do, it'll be fine. Uh, and I kind, of, I kind of freaked out that first class because I was like, oh, actually, I don't know if I do. But it turned out it, it was fine. There's a, there's a music school in Los Angeles that has the motto, if you only know three chords, teach somebody who knows two. And so, whether you are in the industry for a year or two years or 20 years, like there is something that the, the students can learn from you. And I, all I want to do is try to make as many of those connections as possible. So I would just say, you know, if you're interested in helping out the program, if you're interested in helping out students, if you're interested in any of those ways that I, that I mentioned, you know, reach out to me, hit me up and I will, I will happily uh, take you up on it. And, and the students would be forever grateful. You know, just sometimes it's a random comment or a random door that gets put in somebody and that's that's all they needed for their entire career. And 20 years later, they're like, dang, I remember when so and so told me this one thing and it was the best advice. It changed my life. You, you never know what that little bit of advice is going to be. So we welcome it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jim, as you know, you were one of those people for me and unbeknowingly provided me with a, a relationship that ended up being, you know, one of my great mentors uh, early in, in my career. It's been, you know, really great to uh, chat through all these different topics with you, pick your brain, and hopefully, uh, you know, everyone out there gets to uh, pull some of, of that knowledge out and, and use it for themselves. I want to wish you a, a happy holidays and uh, thank you again for hopping on the show. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. If you like what you heard, it would mean a lot to us and help us grow and get better guests and better break-ins if you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us five stars and a small review if you have the time. Be sure to connect with our guests if you like what they said by going to our Instagram at breaking and entering pod. It's all one word, breaking and entering pod on Instagram. We have links to their portfolios and their LinkedIn and they want to connect. So do that. And thank yous. Thank you to Mikey Malarkey, our audio engineer and Buchan Jung, our creative director. Can't do without you two and a team from the University of Illinois. It's a student team from the agency called AdBuzz, their PR agency, and it's been a pleasure working with them. Thank you all so much, and we will see you next week with another amazing guest. Thank you so much.